This is the Financial Compass with Matthew Brunner from Comprehensive Planning Associates. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Matthew provides his clients and prospects with the information that they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Matthew Brunner to help you find your financial direction. Hello and welcome to the Financial Compass. My name is Matt Brunner from Comprehensive Planning Associates LTD or Compass. If you'd like more information about what you hear during today's show, give us a call 800-339-9252 or visit us online at compass-ltd.com. And while you're at the website, click on the radio section of the page. You can scroll on down, check out past shows and subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please don't hesitate to reach out to us with questions or to set up a face-to-face or virtual meeting or to suggest topics for future shows. Now, we live in an era full of YouTube clips of fails, errors, flops, mistakes, falls, so much, so much more. If someone can screw something up, there's a really good chance there's a video of someone else doing that online. I was thinking about this recently, and now some of these videos are much more good-hearted than others, and I remembered a word from when I was younger, and it was follies. Now, it means everything that fail does, but in general with a better spirit, and so I kind of like that word, folly, better than fail. Now, during my career, I've seen and discussed a number of financial follies with my clients as we're talking about their current financial strategy. Now, financial follies just sort of rolls off the tongue in a way that I like. I mean, you can (laughs) say it three times fast, financial follies, financial follies, financial follies. It doesn't, you can't even mess it up, right? So more importantly, (laughs) I'm, I'm able to emphasize that a financial folly isn't a financial catastrophe because unlike with many financial catastrophes, the occasional financial folly generally allows you to make a strategy adjustment before your financial future is heavily affected. You don't want your financial future affected by financial follies. In other words, right. Say that five times fast. <laughs> now, accordingly, we're going to spend today's show going over some of the biggest financial follies I've encountered during my career, talking to people in my business and what you can do to avoid them. But before we smoothly transition this show in a way that certainly won't end up featured in a YouTube fail video. Let me introduce my co-host, the king of never failing, Tony Shore. Tony, how you doing? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's like the teachers and adults in the Peanuts cartoons. Yes. Oh, yeah. With Charlie Brown. <laughs> they only talk by muted horn. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm doing great, and I'll take compliments where I can get them. So I'll wear that not a folly as a badge of honor. And coming from you, it's uh, that's great to hear. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this sounds like a fun show you've got lined up for us. I mean, you know, when I hear the word follies, I think about sports bloopers or America's Funniest Home Videos. So, um, you know, uh, things that make us laugh. But as for the phrase financial follies, uh, I'm very impressed with you that uh, you're able to say that three times fast. And uh, and I'm guessing it's also going to fuel a terrific show for us today. So, Matt, what do you have for us to get things rolling with this topic? It's a crazy one. Well, you know, there's some well done articles that I like to reference every now and then. There's a ton of not so well done articles that have a good idea every now and then. But this one is from Investopedia. 
top 10 most common financial mistakes. Now it jumped out because it really does shed light on some of the things I've seen in my own professional life and come across with people that come in to get some help. Now the first critical financial folly is overspending on things you don't really need. Now when I point out things to clients that they're spending a lot of money on and then ask them, do you really need this? Almost indubitably, undoubtedly, they're going to say yes. But the more you talk about it, the more that emphatic yes often become, yeah, probably not. And it's not my goal to talk people out of everything they want to have. But really, if you're on that borderline, the understanding between needs and wants are different. Uh, I like to use maybe, you know, lunch as an example. If you're spending $30 a week on an afternoon meal, it can be easy to think $30 isn't going to make you or break you. But, you know, let's, let's broaden that out. $30 a week, that's $120 a month. That already sounds different. Now, how about the $30 a week for 52 weeks a year? That's $1,560. Now, most people I work with have better ways to spend $1,500 a year than at the drive-thru. Well, and I think you're underestimating there. I mean, 30 bucks a week, some people can spend almost that a day eating out. Oh, yeah, I'm just so, hey, that could be one lunch. That could be two trips to Burger King these days is $30. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and you know, I mean, I think we've all been guilty at some point. I know I'm guilty of falling into that easy trap. Hey, I ran out to grab a $10 lunch. What's the big deal? Maybe 12 bucks. But if you do that every day, the end result is going to be obvious, not only in my physical appearance and weight, but in my <laughs> bank account, right? <laughs> yeah. Your waist grows, your account shrinks. Yep. Not right? a good, so, yeah. not a good scenario. <laughs> Right. So uh, another easy place to drain your bank account, drip by drip, ongoing payments. Now, whether it's monthly or yearly, uh, whatever the variety is, Amazon Prime, cable TV, streaming services, gym memberships, the recurring payment trend is getting more common. You know, businesses are even leaning into it. And you just see about anyone who can try to get you to subscribe to their services is doing so. You know, something like Netflix, maybe you say to yourself, hey, what's the big deal? And if it's just Netflix, you're probably right. But if you have Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Apple TV, Disney Plus, Spotify, now you're talking more than $1,000 a year on streaming services. That's a lot of entertainment. I would go so far as to say that's too much entertainment. You know, how much of it do you really need? How much of it are you really getting value out of? Right. And plus, there's only so many hours in a day. I mean, you know, you're supposed to be getting outside and working and sleeping. So why not turn off some of those entertainment streams, right? Oh, absolutely. The, you know, remember too, entertainment's more than just the view from your living room couch. If you <laughs> tighten up some of your streaming expenses, you may have more money to enjoy a night out with friends, a weekend getaway. You know, that, that comes with a lot more value than five more episodes of some show that does nothing for your life. Now, here's one smart way I've heard about people tightening their streaming expenses. Limit yourself to just one or maybe even two subscriptions at a time. That way, catch up on all the shows and movies you've been missing, then cancel that subscription and pick up the next one. Yeah. And what about people who put those uh, streaming services on auto pay with a credit card? I mean, that's if you mm -hmm. do that, if you don't pay your bill in time, you're actually paying interest on that Netflix account. And that's not good. Yeah. And that's the perfect transition into our next folly, financial folly. I should add the financial part to that because it is fun to say. And that's relying too much on credit cards. Now, credit cards are a critical tool for millions of Americans. They use them for gas, groceries, and other necessities, but you really should be careful with them. Oh, for sure. And, and this has come up on past shows. I mean, this is a big one. 
Uh, you can't do a financial show without talking about credit card debt. Uh, what kind of credit card advice do you give your clients, Matt? Well, if your card has good rewards program and you're vigilant about paying it off each month, paying for a lot of things with a card isn't necessarily a bad strategy. But if you can't pay off the balance each month, you really may want to use your debit card instead or sure. really revisit your spending plan. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh, this has been a great discussion so far, and we're talking about some common financial follies. Uh, I love what you've done there. Nice mm -hmm. alliteration. And uh, it's been anything but a folly, though, as far as the show goes. So let's keep up this momentum that you've built. What do you have next for us? Oh, thanks, Tony. Oh, yes. I like that it's been anything but a folly. Now, Boom. Whoa. You nailed it. Like a, oh, it sounded like a folly for a no, second. No, no. That's, okay. that's an exciting explosion. <laughs> next one from that uh, Investpedia article, buying a new set of wheels. Now, I cannot count the number of times I've reminded people purchasing a gently used car rather than a new vehicle makes financial sense. I can't tell you how many millionaire clients I have that do that and how many non-millionaire clients I have or even prospects or people I've met before that don't. Right. right. It's it's no revelation that millions of cars are sold every year and few of them are purchased outright for cash. Now, if you've done like my grandfather did, which is he saved forever to buy his first car, did without it for a long time, and he saved to buy that one. And then instead of paying finance, he paid cash and got a best deal. And then he put a payment away every month until he got his next car. So he never paid any financing and he earned money on his money while it was waiting. But, oh, smart. Yeah. And it's a great lesson to learn, right? You, you don't buy what you can't afford. So he put the money away first and then got a good deal. But, you know, a lot of people are financing their new ride. That means they're paying interest on an asset that's losing value every day. Ouch. Never as much as the first time it leaves the lot. But then it's losing money every single day after that still. Yes. So if you trade in a vehicle every few years, you're likely losing money on every trade. And if you're financing a vehicle, it's imperative to get what you need at the best possible price. Sure. And that's really good advice. But uh, what would you say to somebody who has a vehicle that has, you know, you know 250,000 miles on it and, and they have little choice but to upgrade? Okay. Well, first remember the words want and need of different meanings. Yeah. You may want an SUV that seats eight. <laughs> right? But if you only have one kid still living at home, and you don't live in a horrible weather kind of place, or you're not planning on going off-road, do you really need it? You know, sticking to needs rather than wants will likely save you real money, oh, not yeah. just little dollars. Secondly, remember those big SUVs, they cost more to purchase, insure, fuel. You know, going a little smaller means fewer trips to the gas station. You don't need to be a financial services pro to know fewer fuel-ups keep more money in your pocket. Fewer fuel-ups are financial follies. Ah, there you go. Financial Folly fuel ups. Yeah, I, I, that one was harder. Yeah, there's alliteration. Fuel, fuel it's alliteration show for you. Yeah, I'm trying as hard as I can. <laughs> You're doing good, Matt. Now, last, you know, if you focus on models that are a year or two old, you're probably going to get most of the safety and entertainment features you want out of that brand new car, but you're letting somebody else take that, you know, brake light guarantee hit. As soon as it leaves the lot, it's just lost a ton of value. That was somebody else's job, and you still get all the benefits from it. I know people out there who have reached that point where they're able to purchase brand new rather than gently used. And in most cases, it's because they choose new because it's a status symbol. But I think the lesson there is just because you can afford something doesn't make it a smart financial move, right? Uh, absolutely. There's a lot of people who judge you know, financial professionals by 
the clothes they wear, the cars they drive, because or clearly if you have a great one, maybe you've done great things, or maybe you're just putting on a front, right? You're, right? you're feeding right? into that status symbol. My last car had 200,000 miles on it when I had to upgrade. Did I get a brand new car? No. So I, I live, I, I walk the walk here, talk the talk here and I get it. Hey, listen, if you can afford it and I've got other things on my plate, I got kids in college. I have other goals. The car isn't mine. If it is, and you don't have other goals that need to be funded, maybe it's fine. Right. But it doesn't always make it the best move. Now that same insight can apply to purchasing a house. You know, American houses, they're getting bigger, five bedrooms, finished basements, four car garages, bonus rooms, you know, name it, they're in there. If you have a large family, you may need all those things. But if you're a family of four, do you need 5,000 square feet? You know, here's something I stress with people. Don't forget about taxes, upkeep, utilities. Bigger the house, larger the heating bill. My grandmother said, oh, that's a beautiful house, but I wouldn't want to clean it. You know, a three-bedroom right. house right. with a two-car garage not only comes with a smaller sticker price, but it also means less keep up. Yep, it does. Or upkeep. Or upkeep. Either way you want. I've heard it both ways. I've heard it both ways. When I said it, I'm like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. (laughs) I've heard it both ways. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. I mean, it is interesting. And not not to mention property tax. The nicer and bigger the house, the more your property tax is probably going to be. And that's another big thing. And insurance, it just, it all adds up. It really does. And, you know, there's there's all these uh, cable shows now, Matt, uh, about, purchasing a home or remodeling your current home. I mean, HGTV is full of them. There's so many channels, Discovery, that has these shows on it about homes. And, you know, my wife and I have uh, watched some of those. It's fun to watch. And, you know, but I I wonder sometimes, does that create a false sense of reality? I mean, that gourmet eight burner gas stove, hey, that might be nice, but who really needs one? Right. Oh, you wonder correctly. It creates cognitive dissonance and it causes us to consume more, which is great for some companies, bottom lines, and perhaps overall some people's portfolios. Right. Is it best for your specific financial future? Six burners is probably enough. I have a six burner stove. Now I need it. I cook a lot for a lot of family, a lot of friends. And I do have, I had somebody ask, how often do you get all six burners going? My question is kind of often, but not everybody does. If you've, never used all four burners, don't get a six burner stove. Right. Definitely don't get an eight. Um, now let's stay on this house thing a little bit. Another financial folly I've seen relying too much on home equity. You know, refinancing Mm -hmm. may mean you're getting a stack of cash, but are you giving away ownership to somebody else? You know, if refinancing means you end up with a lower rate or that you can quickly pay down some high interest debt, it may be a smart move, but it should be viewed with considerable caution. You know, a home equity line of credit, what we call a HELOC, may be an alternative because you're basically using the equity you've built in your home as a credit card. But again, like a credit cards, you got to be cautious here and it's vital. That step may mean you pay interest on the line of credit funds you're using as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think if any of our listeners today are pondering refinancing or taking out that HELOC, a home equity line of credit, they should consider weighing the pros and the cons with someone like yourself, Matt, a trusted financial services professional. Any major financial decision, yeah. you should bounce off your trusted financial services professional. And yep. l- let me point out this. If they don't have the ability or the desire to answer that question, you may want to find another trusted financial services professional. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, a lot of people hold them out to be financial services professionals, but can't help you do a, a simple analysis on the which ways to do something like that better or don't have the desire. So maybe that's not the right one. They're not really thinking of your personal plan. Now, the next financial folly before I go down that dark road, living paycheck to paycheck. Now, in June of 2020, the U.S. household personal savings rate, that was 9.4%. That means many folks are living paycheck to paycheck. I get it. Life is hard, especially in an economy full of COVID-19 uncertainty. Now, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, I don't want you to feel like anybody's knocking you. I'm not knocking you on what I'm saying here. But if you don't have some savings and the fridge dies, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, yeah. So what's, a, what's generally a good target for savings? Well, it depends on the stage in life you, you're in. Sure. But especially your working years, I would recommend three to six months of living expenses. Now, I know that can be a tough road. But if you can get there, you'll have achieved something important. And there's not an awful lot. You, you're allowed to guarantee in this world. But I guarantee that through hard work and really focusing on what you're saving and what you're spending, you can't get to that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a good point. And I think that's really good. We've talked about that before, you know, basically having that emergency fund. And when I heard, first heard three to six months, I went home to my wife and I said, yeah, yeah, I, uh, on the radio today, learned something. Uh, and we're, we're, we're failing miserably. Yeah. So it's, it's not easy. I'm no. not saying it's easy. It might take you a long time. Yeah. But well, guess what? Just by focusing on now. So yeah. Guess what? Focusing on that, you're now spending less. You're going to stop doing other superfluous spending you may not yeah. need. You know, there's a lot of benefits to it. And it's not the most fun road, especially if you're paycheck to paycheck. But there's something. There's something you could, it might be an extra hour of work here or there. It might just be a couple extra you know, switching to something generic, whatever it is, there's hundreds of ways to do it. And it might take you 10 times as long as the next guy. But I guarantee once it's done, it's going to be a lot more peace of mind yeah. knowing that if that fridge does go, you can still pay your mortgage. You can still get to work. It's not going to destroy your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think we've looked at a lot of uh, great financial follies today. What do you have next? Okay. This one. Uh, I, failing to have a strategy. Uh, How about this one? That sounds simple, right? But I talked earlier, the lack of strategy is common. You, know, you should have a strategy that addresses your retirement income, healthcare, estate plans. You should also consider things like travel, hobbies. You only get one retirement. Well, that's not true. That's not true. You only get one first retirement. That's true. Yeah. Right. Uh, so why not make it your one? Yeah. And if you plan properly, that's possible. If you get caught without a strategy, it might not be. Yeah, that's true. It might not be your first retirement. It may it may be a short-lived retirement. So yeah. you're right. I think that's great. And you almost said you only get one retirement, but I'm glad you stopped yourselves there because that yourself there because that makes a great point right there, Matt. Uh, you only get you you're going to have one retirement if you have a good strategy. If you don't. Yeah you're probably going to have to go back to work and then retire again later. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you don't have a strategy or you think your current strategy needs a second opinion, again, the step is that you need to take work with an experienced financial services professional. And I'm not going to name names, Matt Brunner, but they're out there uh, rather than try to figure it all out on your own. Yeah. Listen, if 
If you can answer this question, do you know exactly how much money you need to retire and stay retired the way you define it? Then great. If you know exactly what that number is, fantastic. Congratulations. You probably don't need a financial services professional, or at least not now. But if you don't find one, if you can't answer that question, exactly how much money I need to retire when I want and to have the retirement I want. If you can't answer that question, you need to find a financial service professional and one that's going to do a comprehensive financial plan because that's the only way to really get that question answered. Now, another common retirement folly, not adequately accounting for the inevitable relationship strains that come with retirement. We've done a whole show on this one. We've done a couple shows on this before. Yeah, yeah. But let's touch on this really quick again. Many people in a relationship, they look forward to retirement because they envision road trips, rounds of golf together, but don't underestimate the lifestyle change that's about to happen. Now, if you're still married, think of it this way. When you and your partner were working, you may have been apart for around 10 hours every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes more. That means you each had time to do your own thing. And sometimes in completely different ways and completely different fields. Now, once you're retired, you and your partner have the same job and you're going to probably go about it different ways. You're together constantly. So before you retire, Make sure you agree on a financial strategy and a retirement lifestyle that works for both of you. Maybe that strategy includes solo trips or golf league or a bike club without your partner, a separate gym, whatever it is. It's okay. It doesn't mean you have a bad relationship. It just means that everyone needs some time to themselves. And every for everyone, it's different. We, I, we always talk about this, how each person, their situation is unique, even more so in retirement because your uniqueness is more together now and you need to have some of that uniqueness remain. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. It reminds me of a story. And I may have mentioned this uh, previously, but uh, my mom always said my dad was an over the road truck driver, right? So yeah. he would be gone weeks at a time. And my mom, and they've been married uh, well over 50 years, uh, 58 years. In fact, they've been married. And um, uh, she said, people, you know, she said at their anniversary, she said, yeah, the only reason it's lasted this long is that he wasn't around. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, she's half joking, uh, but sometimes absence does make the heart grow fonder. So, <laughs> yeah. so again, it's just it's there's no there's no weakness in admitting that you need some time alone. Yeah. And if that can absolutely save a marriage in retirement. So yep. for some people, especially if one person retires earlier than the other and they get used to their retirement without that other person, boy, does that change things a lot. Yeah. When you, when you, you know, and rarely do couples retire on the same day. Great. If you do, it's a, might be a little easier way to enter in it, but it doesn't happen often. It really does help to have some conversations. And if you're with an advisor, that's worth their weight in any commodity that you want to commit, compare it to, they're going to do that with you right now. Um, let's, let's talk about this budgets, oh. craft, craft one that fits your preferred lifestyle. I work with so many people who've committed one of two retirement follies. Now, the first is they forget their income, you know, regardless of how well they've saved and strategized, they forget that it's likely to be less than it was when they were working. But at the same time, their expenses may also be lower. Sometimes not. Sometimes it, you know, it gets really high right in the beginning, but then it'll usually fall off. But with a few tweaks, your strategy can better reflect your particular circumstances. Now, the second one is presuming you'll need too much income. You know, when you retire, your spending habits often change. 
especially if you downsize or do any of the other things we talk about saving money in different ways over during your retirement years. I've worked with people who are surprised to learn they may be able to maintain their preferred lifestyle on 75%, some, you know, so maybe at most 85% of their previous income. Wow. Cut my budget. You can't cut my budget without written <clears throat> consent from the president of the federal reserve. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh my God! We're talking about Jane Lynch there talking <laughs> yeah, about her budget, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, but what you said there makes me feel more confident about my own retirement. So well, good, yeah. You know, if I just reach one person today, Tony, <laughs> I feel like I've succeeded. Now, hey, overspending or underspending in retirement—they're two more common follies. You know, it kind of goes in what we we're just saying. Overspending—it's probably obvious. Your retirement could last thirty years, so blowing your budget early on lavish trips means you may have some scary challenges once you turn 80. Also maybe having things positioned incorrectly. So if things are down and you're spending like normal and you don't have an emergency fund slightly different than you did in your working years, you may have some scary challenges. Now, underspending is probably less obvious, but budgeting so conservatively that you don't enjoy your retirement is just as bad as overspending. Early on in my career, I had to talk a 80 year old client into going out to their very first steak dinner. Oh. They were still too scared. They had been so frugal their whole life. They had never gone to a restaurant and had a steak dinner. Oh. Now, Grant, they were in such a strong financial position as a result, they could have literally gone out to steak dinners every night for the rest of their life. Sure. But they still didn't understand it, and they had been retired or for eight years. Or bought the steakhouse at that point. Yeah, they had <laughs> they'd been retired for eight years, and it's still not going out to a steak dinner. Now, mm -hmm. if you don't enjoy some hobbies and you don't travel and spend time with your family and friends, what's the point? Yeah. You know, you work so hard to get to retirement. Enjoy it. Now, granted, I talked this and I said earlier, maybe you live paycheck to paycheck and maybe you're in a position in your retirement where it's going to be the same thing. But then, you know, talk to a financial services professional. Again, somebody worth their weight is going to help you find a way to find some sort of enjoyment in the life you have right now. They can help you craft some things, help you with your savings plan, even maybe, you know, advise you some ways to earn a little bit money, a little bit more in your retirement. If you're past the ability to do that, that's one thing, but look for a way to do something so that you can actually enjoy it once you get there. There you go. Boom. And I think that's a great note to end our show on today, Matt. A lot of great information uh, really, and a great literation today about financial yeah. follies. Uh, <laughs> Finally, the financial follies show is fulfilled. Wow. Uh, wow. A lot of F's in there. We'll have to do some editing. Um, but <laughs> I'm kidding. All the good ones. Yep. Matt, great show today. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? We talk about meeting with a financial professional. Again, find one that will do this for you. If they don't, we can meet with you no matter where you live in the country. We can help you either online, over the phone, uh, or in person, person to person if you're around where we are. So give us a call, 800-339-9252. Visit us online, compass-ltd.com. That first sit down, it's complimentary. There's no cost. There's no obligation. We're not going to try and sell you anything. We're going to talk to you about the steps you need to take to put your comprehensive financial plan in place and then the steps you need to take from there to make it a reality. All right, Matt, great show today. That does it for today's episode of The Financial Compass with our host, Matt Brunner. ka -chow. Thank you for listening to The Financial Compass. 
don't pay too much for taxes, or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Matthew Brunner at Comprehensive Planning Associates. Call 800-339-9252 or visit their website at compass-ltd.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Insurance products and services, fee-based financial planning, and investment advisory services are offered by Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD. A registered investment advisor in the state of Connecticut. Securities are offered by Gretchen Brunner and Matthew Brunner through Gradient Securities LLC, Arden Hills, Minnesota, 866-991-1539. Member FINRA, SIPC. Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, Compass, and Gradient Securities LLC are not affiliated companies. Gradient Securities LLC and Comprehensive Planning Associates, LTD, Compass are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Please refrain from posting reviews of your experience as this may be considered testimonials and are prohibited by the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC. Like should not be considered a positive reflection of the investment advisory services offered by Gradient Securities LLC, GS, and or their investment advisor representatives.